you to turn in your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 15, verse 29. That's on page 950 of our Pew Bibles. As you're turning there, thank you for your prayers for Lynn and me. Um, quick update, have an MRI tomorrow and then a meeting with our radiation, my radiation oncologist this Wednesday. Appreciate your prayers for him, Dr. Russo. Pray that we would be a gospel witness to him and that the Lord would give him wisdom. But hear God's word. Romans 15, beginning with verse 22. We're coming to a close shortly here in Romans, but we're, we're, we're not at the finish line yet. Um, sweet scriptural truths here. Romans 15, verse 22. This is the word of God. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while." At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them, in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we thank you uh, for your holy word, the Bible. Lord, thank you that we can hold it in our hands, read it with our eyes and our own language. Lord, thank you that... Um, You have given to us your Holy Spirit as well so that we would not only be readers of your word uh, but more faithful followers of Christ, fruitful servants of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, pray that you would guide us, grow us in grace. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, back in the days when people corresponded with pen and paper, a personal correspondence often ended with two letters, P dot S dot, postscriptum. You know, often the PS portion of the letter was the sweet surprise for the reader. You might read of a joyful pregnancy, an upcoming wedding, a family move, or a planned visit uh, to your home. You know, here in Paul's letter to the church at Rome, you know, he, he chooses or he closes this 
glorious and gracious correspondence uh, with a, a precious P.S. Now here in, in Romans 15, we'll see it through Romans 16 as well. You know, he hopes to soon visit uh, this beloved church at Rome. Remember that even though Paul is writing to the church at Rome, he did not plant the church at Rome. It's already uh, a, a fruitful, faithful uh, church of Christ. But as uh, the Apostle Paul writes about his gospel plans to travel to Rome, he also informs them about his missionary plans to head west uh, from Rome until he would arrive in Spain. Uh, but before he heads out to Rome and, uh, and uh, then on to Spain, he informs uh, this church that his gospel itinerary will first take him to Jerusalem. You know, the Apostle Paul plans to bring this love offering for mercy ministry among the needy saints at Rome. You know, and as Paul writes these words, these gospel words, announcing his travel plans, you know, he writes with a clear understanding of God's providence. We read words like this, I have longed for many years to come to you. And then again, I hope uh, to see you in passing. And while Paul gives us his itinerary, you know, we should remember God's providential plans for his church and, and for every Christian, for you and for me. While we do not read the word providence here, uh, we this biblical truth of God's providence saturates this portion of scripture. What is providence? You know, the, the best definition uh, comes from our Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 11. And the question is this, what are God's works of providence? And the answer is this, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Uh, if you want to see it for yourself, write it down. It's there in the back of our Trinity hymnal, actually, on page 870. You know, here with the providence of God, we, we learn that our great and gracious God purposefully works all things according to the counsel of his will, for our good, for his glory, and as well for the spread of the gospel. And so this morning, you know, here let us learn that our God providentially uses our humble plans to accomplish his glorious gospel purposes. You know, how does God providentially use our our humble plans. You know, three ways we'll see in these, in these verses. One, there is a, a gospel ministry of the Apostle Paul. There is a, a gospel mercy expressed. And then finally, there's a gospel mandate. But we begin with Paul's plans for gospel ministry. I invite you to keep your Bibles open. 
uh, there. Romans 15.22, it, it's, it's a jarring start. There's a paragraph break in our ESV Bibles. We read this, Romans 15.22. This is the reason why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Well, well what's the reason, uh, you might ask? Go back to verse 20 of Romans 15. Let me read it for us. Romans 15, 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Remember that Paul had, been, had told the church at Rome that he had been planting the church, spreading the gospel all the way from Jerusalem to Alicrium there, Alicrium just east of Rome across the Adriatic Sea. And here Paul says, well, I I was hindered. Remember that it was Paul's ambition, you know, to preach where Christ has not been named. You know, he still plans on sowing gospel seeds. And Paul here tells his brothers and sisters in Christ that that now uh, there is this window of gospel opportunity for, for him finally to, to come to Rome. You know, his, his Google calendar had stayed full with plans for church plants. Paul was a, a, a busy, hard-working evangelist in God's kingdom work. You know, we could rightly say up till now the Lord had providentially prepared, prevented, excuse me, prevented Paul from his gospel plans to minister to Rome and then to Spain. But now in verse 23, but now, you know, we're going to see a few time markers in, in these verses, but this first one ought to leap off the page of of scripture here. But now, you know, God has has providentially primed him for Rome. Look again at at verse 23. But now, since I no longer have any any room for work in these regions, that's Jerusalem uh, to Elycrium, he writes, and since I have longed for many years you know, to, to come to you. You know, that was the holy, hopeful heart of Paul, to fellowship with this faithful church. You can see it way back in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, Acts 19, verse 21. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go through and go to Jerusalem, saying... After I have been there, I must also see Rome. You know, this had always been in Paul's heart, his passion, you know, to see this church at Rome. The church at Rome most likely was planted. There were those from Rome at Pentecost there in Acts chapter 2 visiting Rome, sojourners there, and they took the gospel back to Rome. And the gospel flourished there. You know, you can hear the the heart of the Apostle Paul even there at the beginning of Romans. It's been a while. Uh, But Romans chapter 1, verse 11. 
Apostle Paul writes, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now, so he expresses it there, the beginning of Romans, and now, as we're drawing to a close, you know, he reminds them, I, I long to see you. You know, he has a heart for these brothers and sisters in Christ, and more importantly, a heart for Christ, a heart for the gospel. You know, but look at Paul's plan, you know, for, for hope and for help. You know, I hope to see you. That, that's not wishful thinking. That, that's his prayerful hope, his, his purposeful hope. Uh, to see you in passing as I go to, the, to Spain. You know, he's telling them, you know, I'm, I'm not moving to Rome. I'm not bringing a U-Haul with me to Rome. He is just going to stay with them for a time. And then he'll be heading on to Spain whenever I go to Spain. It's the only time Spain is mentioned here in the New Testament. You know, it's that it was a Roman province at that time, you know, there at the entrance to uh, the Mediterranean Ocean. You know, in Paul's day, Spain would have been the ends of the earth. Remember, Jesus told his followers before his ascension there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Well, Spain was the end of the earth. And and Paul was that, that kind of missionary who said, well, the Lord called us to go to the ends of the earth, and that's where I'm going. In obedience, faithful obedience, But Paul plans that brief layover in Rome before he proceeds on to Spain. You know, it's often been asked, you know, did Paul ever make it to Rome or to to Spain after he made it to Rome? And there is no hint of that in Scripture. But early church historians, Clement of Rome, tell us that, that Paul did make it to Spain. But, it, but it's important for us to know here, his heart was to bring the gospel to Spain, to those who needed to hear about God's saving love in Christ. And why is he stopping in Rome? You know, he's pretty, pretty plain here. And to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. In other words, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, We can eat together. We can enjoy fellowship together. We can worship Christ together. But Paul, in a uh, a sincere yet subtle fashion, is saying, I'm going to be asking you for support. Uh, I, I don't... Yes, he was a tent maker, but but he's going to need funds, support, so that he can sail on uh, to Spain. He's going to need food. Maybe he was asking for some Christian companions to go with him to Spain. You know, but it was his heart's desire. Look there at verse twenty-four again. I hope to see you. You know, he he wants to see his brothers, sisters in Christ. Face to face. No more texts. No more Zoom meetings. 
No more FaceTime calls. You know, no more letters. I, I want to see you, you know, face to face. You know, J.V. Fesco writes this wonderful summary of Paul's gospel plans. Quote, simply stated, this portion of Romans is not the mundane itinerary of the apostle. Rather, the lifeblood of the kingdom flows through these words as Paul discusses his desire to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Once again, Paul's indefatigable efforts to spread the gospel leap off the page. You know, Paul, we never find Paul saying, well, you know, let me take a sabbatical. You know, I'm ready to retire. Let me take a vacation. You know, you know Paul is locked and loaded. You know, he, he's ready to go. Keep on serving the Lord. He's, he's making plans. Yes, humble plans, holy plans for this gospel ministry. You know, gospel plans. And how can he make them? He, he has a heart for his fellow Christians there in Rome. You know, a love for God. But even more importantly, he has a, a holy longing to share the gospel with those who have not heard about God's saving love in Christ. Could compare him to the young Samuel. Remember the Lord is speaking to Samuel. And this is for our, our young people. Even at a young age, what did young Samuel say? The Lord was speaking to him. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so Paul heard God's call. He made plans for this gospel ministry. But they are as well plans for for gospel mercy. Look now in Romans 15, verse 25. You know, that that phrase again. Um, Well, we'll we'll see it here shortly. You know, at, at present... Other translations say, you know, but but now, you know, Paul is making these plans uh, to, to go to Jerusalem to, to bring aid to the saints, his present plans for mercy ministry. You know, Paul is bringing aid, you know, to the saints. You know, no, it's not the NFL football team. You know, and, you know, who are saints? You know, God's word calls every Christian a a saint. You know, those who know they've been saved by the shed blood of Christ. They've been set apart uh, for God's kingdom work. Uh, They they are holy ones. You know, this doesn't mean we're perfect. You know, we are still keenly aware that we are sinners saved by grace, but God's word calls them saints here in Rome. You know, how did, you remember how Paul began uh, this letter to the church at Rome again? Romans chapter 1 verse 7. Romans 1 verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God, 
and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he has present plans for this mercy ministry. He, in verse 26, we read that the churches in Macedonia and Achaia, if you look at a Bible map, if you have a Bible atlas, uh, it, it would be modern-day Greece. Macedonia is in the north. Achaia is in the south. Paul planted uh, churches there, Gentile churches. And, but here we, we learned that uh, this, these churches you know, ha- have been pleased, have been delighted. It was their gospel joy. Uh, to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. There was a gospel need there in Jerusalem. You know, two two possibilities for the reason for their poverty. One, there was a, a famine taking place in the world, a food shortage. You know, sound familiar? But the other reason is that the Jewish converts were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. They couldn't find a job in Jerusalem. They, they weren't allowed to, to work in any jobs that supported the temple, and so they were being frozen out. But regardless of the reason, they, they were struggling you know, financially. They, they had real temporal needs. And the churches there, Macedonia and Caia, heard about the needs, probably through the Apostle Paul, and they were sending contributions. I'm sure they were praying, you know, but they were showing that they were going to give gladly and willingly to the struggling believers. Paul did not force them, compel them to give. You know, they, these were voluntary offerings. You know, the word there for contribution, strikingly, is is, uh, the Greek, you might have heard it, is koinonia. You know, there's a community. You know, they they realize these brothers and sisters in Jerusalem are in need. You know, we're here in Greece, but, but we are a body of believers. We're a community of Christians, even though we're separated by thousands of miles and oceans and seas. You know, the, the, the church here needs our help. You know, they're a family of faith. Douglas Moo put it this way about their, their need in Jerusalem, as Paul makes explicit in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, and 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13, the Gentile Christians contribution to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem is an expression of this unity and intimacy. You know, we were one church. Christ is king and head of his church. We, we love these brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, that, that's what is taking place even as we give of our tithes and our offerings on the Lord's day. You know, whether it's through for the gospel work here in in Opelousas, you know, or in our country, in our denomination, or, or in the Ukraine as well. In fact, Paul takes it a step further there. 
Verse 27, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. You remember earlier in Romans, Romans chapter 11, you know, describing how the Gentiles became a part of the church. You remember that, that image? You know, they were grafted in. You know, they, they were the wild branches grafted into the root. And so the Apostle Paul is reminding here that the Gentile believers, Macedonia and, and Achaia, you owe it to these brothers. You, you ought to be grateful, you know, for, for their, their faith in the Lord, that, that you are, are following in uh, their train of faith. You know, it's, it's Paul's plans for gospel mercy. Uh, say it again. You know, for the past weeks, those, those bloody and brutal images of the war in Ukraine, you know, have filled the news. And it's a different kind of war. You know, people have their, their iPhones, social media, and, and so you can see it, you know, directly, immediately, you know, hospitals, schools, you know, being devastated, blood being shed, you know, children even being killed. You know, you know, and here we have struggled, you know, how do we respond? And, you know, and we're guilty, I'm guilty of this as a Christian. Well, what's the political response? You know, what's the military response? You know, and I would encourage you, and I'll encourage myself as well. Well, what should be our response as Christians? You know, we we give. You know, we we send funds, whether it's through Samaritans First World Witness. You know, there there are a host of good ways to do it through the church. You know, and and that money will be used wisely and faithfully. But continue to pray. You know, that, that mercy ministry is a vital part of the spread of the gospel. It's a gospel witness to a watching world around us. You know, and even as we pray, to give you one verse to, to pray, and the Lord brought it to mind, preparing Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. You know, God will supply their needs. You know, physical needs, health needs, medicine needs, food. Especially spiritual needs of those who are suffering and struggling. Now think of how God mercifully provided for his people in the wilderness. I know our ladies are going through Exodus 1 through 18. You know, God daily provided that manna, except on the Sabbath day. You know, when they were thirsty, God provided water from a rock, gushing from that rock that symbolized Christ. God, Paul's plans for gospel mercy. Finally, God's providence and the gospel mandate. Now, verses 28 and 29. 
You know, one more time marker there in verse 28. When, therefore. You know, Paul is making his transition back to his main point. It seems he has um, gone down a, 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 a significant spiritual side trail. Now he's coming back. Uh, to his projected visit to Rome. He plans to finish this gospel task of journeying to Jerusalem with the generous Gentile offering uh, for the Jewish believers in Rome, in Jerusalem. You know, Saul, who by God's grace became Paul there on the road to Damascus, knows Christ's gospel mandate. You know, you know, there at the end of Matthew, you know, Jesus commanded us, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20. You know, so here Paul is bringing the gospel, and, and it's a, a, a rich section, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll go through this, but it begins with the gospel seal. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected. You know, there, in, even in our ESV, there's a footnote. I have sealed to them this fruit. You know, this gift is a seal. It's a, an official affirmation of authenticity. You know, the tomb of Christ was sealed. You know, and here, this offering and the Apostle Paul is being sealed. This offering is a fruit. It's a visible token of God's Love for them in Christ and for their fellow Christians. It's, it's a gift given in faith. So it's gospel sealed, gospel fruit. It's a gospel faith. This contribution displayed the Gentiles' faith in Christ and their shared faith with their Jewish brothers and sisters. John Murray put it this way. It was the fruit of the faith and love of the believers and Macedonia and Achaia, and a token of the bond of fellowship existing between these believers and the saints at Jerusalem. You know, but it's a providential gift. You know, God knew that that church, Christians there in Jerusalem, needed that. He, he stirred that desire, that willingness to give there in the churches at Macedonia and Achaia. He, he used the Apostle Paul to deliver that gift, and, and so we could rightly call it a providential gift. You know, God will use this gift to preserve and provide for the needs of the struggling saints. You know, there's a sure comfort in this gospel doctrine of God's providence. We sang to him, God moves in a mysterious way. You know, it's in the section of the Trinity hymnal entitled Providence. Here again, that fourth verse. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. 
And then I love this line, behind a frowning providence, there shines a smiling face. He hides a smiling face. You know, at times we think, Lord, how, how can the providence of God be true? Clouds are dark, war taking place, not only globally, but maybe in your own heart, your own home. You know, and we forget, you know, you know, behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. You know, God's face does indeed shine upon us in Christ. And finally, there's a providential fullness. Still plumbing the depths of it, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Or in the fullness of the gospel of Christ. You know, Paul comes with a, a, the fullness of the gospel. It seems that the church there in Rome has that fullness, and so there will be the sweet reunion, the sweet fellowship together. You know, what, what a glorious finish here to Paul's plans and God's providence. You know, but there's a, a significant footnote. You know, Paul did make it to Rome a few years later. How did he arrive in Rome? He was in chains. Look at Acts 27, 28. Sent there for trial, imprisoned. You know, that Paul's plans to make it to Rome, and he did make it to Rome, but it was the providence of God that he was sent there in chains for Paul's good and for the good of the gospel, the spread of the church. Put this way by R.C. Sproul, Paul would arrive at Rome in chains and still rejoice that he was there because of the privilege of being a minister of the gospel. You know, but that's what the Lord calls all of us to, you know, to, to rejoice in his providence. His gracious purposes. You know, reflecting on this, um, you know, in God's providence, the Lord led our family to four pastorates. You know, we went to seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, and, and we thought, well, when we're done here, we'll head back north. Not because we wanted to be closer to family. That was, that was good, but there's a great need for reformed churches in the northeast, but God had other plans. So Mississippi for schooling, Alabama, back to Mississippi, and now here in Opelousas, glad to be here. That's the providence of God, but our joy as well. You know, before accepted the call here, a ways before you, you extended the call, actually had a, a call to a pastorate in the Cayman Islands. You know, there's a Presbyterian church in the Cayman Islands. But, you know, to go there, you can't bring anything with you but your two suitcases and be away. We would have been away from the children during a critical time. And, you know, but God's providence, you know, and, and our plans. How does this portion of Scripture in Romans apply to us today? You know, Two simple ways. You know, this is low-hanging fruit. You know, let us give to gospel needs. 
You know, it, it, it's not complicated. That, you know, there's needs all around the world, gospel needs, struggling Christians, whether it's Ukraine or, as we were gently reminded, Mozambique. You know, let us give. You know, but secondly, you know, let us pray. But a third, too. Uh, you know, it's my prayer that the Lord would raise up, you know, those from Hope Presbyterian Church. You know, here am I, Lord, send me. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we, we thank you for your, for your providence. What gospel comfort and hope, security we can know that your plans are always to prosper us and not to harm us, that your plans are always uh, for our good and for your glory and for the spread of the gospel. And, but, Lord, keep us from being passive in, in this doctrine of, of your providence. May we be actively laboring, lovingly showing, Uh, the love of Christ to those who are hurting, those who are hopeless, those who need to hear the, the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.